Praise the Lord. How many ready for that day? Amen, amen. My pleasure to have a wonderful friend who I've known for quite a few years with me, Pastor David Petty, pastors at Manchester Church of God. Can't hear me? Pastor David Petty, pastor of Manchester Church of God, uh, Michael Keeble and his wonderful wife had the pleasure of uh, uh, being ministered to there for a season while they lived over that way. And, and he told me, he says, listen, you need to have Dave Petty come preach sometime. I said, well, I'm, I'm working on it. Well, it is a pleasure. And, and Pastor Dave and Sherry, they've, they've pastored at Manchester Church of God for 15 years. They've done a fabulous job there. Solid people. Um, just um, really recognized across the state. Man, it, 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 I'm so thankful that God allowed our paths to cross back at Lee University. And I know that God uh, is using him. And I know that God has great things for him. Brother, thank you so much. <clears throat> Amen. It's great to be here this morning, uh, Maryville, uh, Alcoa. Uh, my family's from Lenore City, so <laughs> I just lived there just uh, for about a year and a half, I guess. I don't remember it, so, um, but to have connections at the uh, 6th Avenue Church of God, if any of you remember uh, Eaton's Crossroad. Uh, my grandparents went there for several years, um, um, so uh, it's good to be here this morning. I want to just uh, say how honored I am to be here with uh, Paul and Kim Dyer, and just um, these guys have done a phenomenal job everywhere they went. I, I, I met Paul at Lee. He was um, playing some intramurals, um, softball or something. I don't remember which one it was, but we, we crossed paths, and some of my buddies were buddies with Paul, and, and uh, after that, we just made connection and stayed connected and uh, spent the last, I don't know how many years that's been, we've been together, uh, just stayed in contact together. And I, I just want to say that everywhere that Paul and Kim have been, they have just done a phenomenal job. When So Paul was at Lee, he was a, a just a... Uh, a part-time staff person at the Hopewell Church of God. He went there, and during, while Kim and Paul was at Hopewell Church of God, that church increased. They had a great increase in their attendance and all their ministries, and they was just a phenomenal thing. And before Paul left, Paul was running half the church. I mean, he was doing, he did such a phenomenal job there at Hopewell. Uh, they came up here to South Haven, right? Wasn't it? Did you leave there and come here to South Haven? Came here to South Haven, did a great job up here at South Haven. And then he left South Haven. It, it was the, the, there, there wasn't, wasn't one person who felt like that he made, made the, right the right decision. There was, he, he left a church that was stable and growing and went to a ministry in Honduras. There is no money. There is no money. We are Americans. We feel like that we have to have money to do things. There was no money. And Paul and Kim, they've got all these kids. They load up their 15-passenger van. That's what it takes sometimes to move their family. And they load up their family. And I don't, did you have all your kids? When, when, okay, so they had all these kids. I'm sure Kim was, you know, Paul was like, 
let's go save the world. And here's Kim with all these kids. And she's like, ah, you know. They go to Honduras. They were down there for almost eight years. And here's, here's the amazing thing. Before they leave, Paul's the overseer of the Roatan, um, the, no, no, no. I'm going to call it Mosquito, uh, whatever it was called, the jungle. They put him out in the jungle. And he was the, the overseer down there. At, for a small period of time, because they didn't have an overseer in Belize, the country of Belize, they put Paul over Belize and part of Honduras. And he pastored a church that ran, what, five, 600 people, whatever it was. Uh, it's evangel. Yeah, yeah, let's call it 800. Um, um, but Paul uh, and Kim, before they left, they had a fairly good-sized school with almost 300 kids in the school. And I don't know if everybody understands about how education works in Honduras, but education is a little bit optional in Honduras, and the government does very little in, for the children. And uh, so Paul and Kim build this school down there. Not only that, but they build a medical clinic uh, there on the island of the Roatan, and uh, today, the school and the medical clinic is still there, and, and everything is, is somewhat going good. I know the school, because of COVID, because Honduras shut everything down for about two years. I mean, they just locked everything down, and uh, not that that's what they needed to do, but uh, they did it. Um, and then went to Busby. Uh, Busby is like this big. <laughs> I'll give $100 if you could find it, you know. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Google said, I'm not for sure about that. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> but um, um, they went over there. Um, the church was doing good over there at Busby, but before they left, the church was doing great. And so I'm just excited. I just want to say that Paul and Kim have done um, just, they've just done a wonderful job in ministry everywhere they've went. So I want to speak to you this morning about who he is and what he does, and mainly talking about Christ, but also I want to um, say this about Paul and Kim because uh, they've done a great job. I want to say this before I get too, too far into this. So I, I, I just think it's interesting. So Paul grew up in South Carolina. Feels the call to ministry. God calls him to ministry. He comes to Lee University. And so there's a girl. We live in Manchester, which Tullahoma is the town that is right next to us. I mean, it's like eight miles from us, six miles over. And so Kim grew up in Tullahoma. And so Kim is a soccer star at Tullahoma. And, and she gets a scholarship to go to Lee University. She's not Church of God. She's not Pentecostal. And she is Baptist girl, which we love our Baptist brothers and sisters. I mean, I think they're amazing. But Kim is not Pentecostal. And she goes to Lee University, and Paul is Pentecostal. He's like a 10 out of 10, you know. And so he's like, he's a little out of control, you know. And they meet, get married, and have a busload of kids. So... Um, we were reminded, my son plays soccer, and we were reminded yesterday, Manchester went over and played Tullahoma yesterday, and Tullahoma beat us down. It was like embarrassing beat us down. So 
yesterday when we got to the dyers last night, actually, I was like, oh, yeah, Kim's part of those scoundrels over there at Tullahoma. <laughs> Beat us up, man. <clears throat> so, but we love the dyers. Um, here's what I wanted to say is to know somebody is also just to know who they are, but to know what they do. It's important to know what they do. And to truly know somebody, you need to know where they came from. You need to know, it really helps to know what they've walked through. To kind of, to really understand the truth of it is, every person in this room has a story. Everyone in here, everybody, there's probably people in here that you have had things happen in your life that you would just be terrified if somebody knew about. It's been several, several years ago, but I never, I never talked to the man about this, but we had a man who attended our church who years back was a part of a very brutal crime where a woman had, had, um, had been killed. And the crime, this was, this was years ago. He was, he was an older man while he was at our church and, and, those years had went on. He never got prosecuted. There was never anything that ever happened as far as law or anything, but they asked him to leave, and uh, he left the town. And so you never know what people have walked through. This man found Jesus and got forgiveness of his sins. And isn't that great that it's not great what happened in his life, but it's great that he got right with God, that his life is or was right with God. So in every person in this room this morning, there is a story. There is, there is things that you walk through that made you who you are. I, I know Michael and Elvira, they, they did some military. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but they, they're military. Elvira is military. She was actually an uh, agent with... Um, FBI and stuff, and no, no, I'm just kidding. But um, it trains you, it changes you. Whatever you've been through, it changes you. But to know where people have been, to know what people have walked through, it helps you to understand who they are. And I know that Paul and Kim have, they've walked through some difficult times. I remember one of the stories down there in Honduras. So Kim came into the house Kim was at the house, and some, and some men broke into the house. Okay, kids are at school. I can't remember, was there any kids there? Kim, it's just you. So here's Kim. I mean, she's got a lot of muscle, you know. She's a very big person, right? <laughs> if, so we know that if these men find her, they're probably not going to be good to her. And so Kim, quick thinking, I, I want you to know what you got here. Beach Boys said, little deuce coop, you don't know what I got, right? <laughs> you don't, 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 don't try to race me because you don't know what I got. Kim goes into a closet. There's a closet with some toys. She unscrews the light bulb so you can't turn on the light. She gets all the way to the back of the closet, gets behind some toys, and the men ransack the house. They go all through the house. And they come to the closet, and one of the men in Spanish says, what's in there? And the other man says, nothing but toys. But no, there's a very intelligent 
very strong woman that's hiding because she can't defeat them physically, but she can defeat them mentally. And they take all your money. They took your computers. Paul and them, <laughs> they had no money. <laughs> They're in Honduras. They have nothing. The little $600 that they had in the drawer was to pay their rent and buy their groceries for the next few weeks. And these men take it all. But here's, here's a piece of that story that I, I want to just... These people trusted God. So when Paul gets back to the house and the kids show up, Kim's like, I'm leaving. I don't know if she said that or not. I, I would think, I'm out of here. She's getting, you know, but what do they do? They say, we are putting our hope and our faith in God. And in that moment, God reveals who he is and what he does. In that moment, he reveals who he is. And so when they're here at Maryville, the, this man and woman are standing on some of those, on some of those crazy times when people ravaged their life, when people came and attacked them, when people came and stole from them, but they stood on the promises of God and they said, I am going to trust and believe in who he is and what he does. I'm trusting in who he is and what he does. Here's what I've come to tell you this morning. You have got to trust in who he is and what he does. Because Kim and Paul have done such an amazing job everywhere they've been, and I know that God wants to use them here. And I know that there are stories that are amazing here. There's probably, like I said, there's, it, it, it's so amazing when you go and you just sit down with people and you hear where they came from. Where they came from. My, my grandparents told a story when my, I guess it was my great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents, they lived over here at the base of the mountain. I don't know if that was Greenback. I, I had some family that lived in Greenback for a while. Maybe they moved to Greenback, but they were over here at the base of the mountain. And a panther, they go to the smokehouse to get some meat, and the smokehouse was probably about, it was like 800 yards, 1,000 yards from the house. They go there, and they grab some meat, and they hear a panther. Wow, wow. You know, it screams out. And they, they start carrying the meat. They, they both have a piece of meat. And they start carrying the meat from the smokehouse. And they start making it back to the house. And they get probably about 200 yards from the house. And they said, throw the meat down. Let's just run to the house. Let the panther have the meat. They throw the meat down. The panther doesn't stop for the meat. But the panther comes for them. And when they get to the house, within a minute, within a couple of minutes, when they get in the house... And they bar the door. They had a little board. They put the door on the. They put the bar on the door. The panther jumps on the the roof of the house. And they put some sulfur in the fireplace, and they burn sulfur in the fireplace. And the panther leaves. And the woman said, "We're moving." <laughs> but it's in those moments. It's in those moments when. We really get shaped. It, we, we, God shapes us, and he reveals to us who he is and what he does. I want to read this scripture to you this morning. Psalms chapter 107, I should have told you that. Psalms 107, verses 3 through 9. 
Psalm 107, verses 3 through 9. I'll give you a minute to, to turn there. Psalm 107 talks, I don't know if you've ever read Psalm 107, but I just want to encourage you. There is some massively powerful passages in here that talks about the delivering work of God and how God opens those doors. But I want to talk to you this morning about Christ and who he is and that these passages talk about how Christ brings us to the place that he's called us to. In verse 3 says this, And gathered from the lands, from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and the south. Isn't that, isn't that the story in here this morning? That people were, that there are people in here that came from the east, north, south, and west in here. Isn't, isn't it interesting that the, the collage of people that we have in here this morning, that when you hear people sit down and tell the stories. I said that Paul came from South Carolina, and Kim came from Tullahoma. And they, God brought them together. He put them together because he understood the value of what they were going to do and what they needed to do. He saw, the, he saw the, the, the strength in Kim, but he also saw the leadership in Paul. And he brought them together and made this very strong pastoral ministry team. And so we see here that how people come from different places. But, and and we, we come from different places backgrounds and just different ways of living and different things, but we come together. God brings us together. Verse 4 says, they wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They wandered in the wilderness in the desert region. Let me just stop and say this. Anytime it says in the Old Testament, wilderness, I think wilderness because I grew up outside of Chattanooga, I think wilderness, I think a little bit like the mountains, the woods, kind of, it's a remote area. When it says wilderness, it means desert. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel. I've been over to Israel. I've rode around out in those different places out, way out in there. And the truth of it is you can get on a tour bus and you can ride for hours and there's nothing out there in the desert. You can ride and ride and ride out there. You can go for miles and miles and miles and there's just nothing. And it says here that they wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. There is nothing out there. And I just want to stop here and say, anybody ever felt like that you were wandering around in nothing? Anybody ever been in that little place in your life where there was nothing that you felt like you were, getting, you were going to? There was just no stop. There was, there was nothing that you could do, there was nothing, and, and you just felt, God, where am I at? What am I doing? Help me to get there. It, life has those moments when we feel a little lost. Life, life has those moments where we, we can't find our direction, where we, we can't find where we're supposed to be. And so the, the scripture here reminds us of those times where we wandered in the wilderness. And for some of us, the wilderness, the wilderness can be just life in general, but for some of us, it may be jobs. It may be family. Somebody can, somebody can quit in your family. And it puts you in the wilderness. We're not always in the wilderness because we said, 
They, somebody said, who wants to go to the wilderness? And you raised your hand and said, oh, I'll go to the wilderness. Now, Paul did that for Honduras, but most of us, most of us didn't have the courage to say, God, make me somebody great and send me to Honduras, to one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere with one of the worst criminal San Pedro Sula, I think, is the, at one time was the worst city in the Western, was it the world or Western Hemisphere or something? In the world. With crime, the crime is that bad. I mean, Paul and them got their house ransacked and people said, oh, is that all they do? <laughs> Man, you guys got off easy. Wow. <laughs> But it made them who they are. And so they wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. That's what the passage says. They, they didn't find a way. They couldn't find the way. Now, it, it's saying that there is an inhabited city. There's something out there, but they can't find a way. It's that, that passage is talking about us. That passage is talking about me. That passage is talking about you. There's times in our lives where there's so many things that this could apply to. It's not just how we're living, but it's things we're trying to do. It's things we're trying to do. You're, 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 you're trying to save money for something. And it's like you, every time we've done this the last, <laughs> the last couple of years, I told Sherry a while back, I said, man, Sherry, we've got to unload these cars. We've, we've got two cars that's got like 900,000 miles on them, you know. We've been driving them for years, and I mean, they've been great. We haven't had any problems out of them. It's just been wonderful, you know, and I'm like, oh, God, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And so the last few years, we've been saying, you know what, we've got we've to make a move. We've got to make a move. And it seems like every time, it's like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to put back a little money. We're going to start saving for this. And then it's like this happens, and it's like, okay, that's $600. How much did we put back? $600. Okay, get that. It goes over here. So you, you see what I'm saying? That passage talks about things that we're doing in life. Verse 5 says this. We were at verse 5, right? Verse 5 says this. And then it says they were hungry and thirsty. They were hungry and thirsty. They're wandering in the desert. No city to find. They can't find where they're supposed to be. But they're hungry and thirsty. Anybody ever been hun hungry and thirsty? Anybody ever been hungry and thirsty? Anybody ever been trying to find something? Anybody ever been in that place where there was something in life that just was not satisfying? You just could not find that satisfaction that you were looking for. I'm sure yesterday when our kids played that soccer game and we got beat by seven points, seven to zero, whatever it was, I'm sure there was a hungry feeling in our kids that said, wow, where is victory? How do we win? And it goes on, the passage goes on, it says their soul fainted within them. Anybody been there before? Have we ever been there before? Anybody ever walked in that place before where their soul fainted within them? See, this passage is talking about who God is. 
because it's talking first about who we are. And when we realize who we are, we find who God is. And so they were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. And then verse 6 says this, And they cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. In their trouble. That word trouble right there is very important because when people are in trouble, we don't want to deal with them. How many of us know that when the brother-in-law or the cousin or the, the grandkids or somebody who has spent every dime that they've ever been given, they've wrecked every car that they've ever had, everything they've ever done has, has somehow wound up to nothing. And when they call and they are in trouble, what do you do? I don't know that I can help you. Oh, man, we, we hate that phone starts ringing. We pick up that phone, and it says, Bob's on the phone. And we go, there's a little piece in us that says, do I answer it? <laughs> do I answer? Do, the, the, I know if I answer this phone, they're going to tell me about their trouble. They're going to tell me about their trouble. They're going to tell me about their problems, their issues, their struggles. What's wrong now? What's broken? What's not working? What's falling apart? What's, what is messed up? But here's the greatness of God. Here's the greatness of Christ is that in their time of trouble, they couldn't find their way. They couldn't find a city. They were hungry and thirsty. They could not find direction. Their soul had fainted within them. And in their trouble, they cried out. They cried out to the Lord, Jesus wants to help you with your trouble. See, this is who he is and this is what he does. He wants to help you with your trouble. He wants to, he wants to be there with your trouble. We, we have a group in town. It's called Be the Bush Ministries. It's a men's recovery program. It's, it's run off the Teen Challenge model. I don't know if any of you know about Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge takes these men who mainly are drug addiction. They have life problems, and a lot of them come out of jail, and they're in jail a lot of times when Teen Challenge gets them. Teen Challenge gets these men, and it takes a minimum of about 18 months to get these guys clean and to get them back on their feet. It takes about 18 months. A lot of them, it's, it's more like two years. And so these guys come to this program and they get cleaned up. Here's the, here's the thing about these people. Most people don't want to deal with them. What we want to do as a society, we want to put them in jail where we don't see them. They've got problems. Do you know that their problem is not that they wanted to rob the convenience store, that's not, their problem is not that they needed money. Their problem is probably from their childhood and it's deep rooted down in them and talking to them is not going to 
cure them. What they need to do is they need to live two years in a facility that is going to pour the Word of God into them and is going to tell them about God. And they have to experience God. They have to understand that Jesus is going to walk with them every day, that He's going to hold their hand, that He's going to be there in their trouble, in their problems, in their struggles, in their issues, when nobody wants them. Because the truth of it is nobody wants people with addictions. We, we, can't, we can't deal with them. We can't, we can't endure them. I remember a uh, little house on the prairie, Charles Ingalls, went and lived with a man for about a week or two. And the guy was an alcoholic. And Charles Ingalls wrestled with that guy and he's, he, he busted all of his liquor bottles and everything. And that guy dried out and it took that guy about two weeks or whatever it was. And that guy dried out, and he was a good daddy after that. Let me tell you, it takes more than that. Good old Pa Ingalls did it in two weeks, but I'm telling you. <laughs> Let me just, I don't know if y'all know about TV, but it's not always true. <laughs> Nor is the internet. <laughs> Had somebody in my church a while back tell me, he said, Pastor, I read that on the internet. And I was like, oh, God, help them. <laughs> my goodness, we... <laughs> This is who God is. This is who Christ is. He wants to be there in your time of need. There's a lot of people that when you're in trouble, when you're struggling, when not everything's working out, not when everything's matching up, there's a lot of people who are going to leave. Christ wants to be there in your time of trouble. Let's go to that next passage there. He led them also by a straight way to an inhabited city. He led them. That inhabited city means that that's a place of security. Who is Christ? What does he do? He will help you in your time of trouble. He'll lead you to a place of security. He will leave you, he'll lead you to a place of provision. The city's going to be a place of provision. It's going to be a place where you can get connected with people it's going to be a place where you can get connected with food where you can get connected with resources Christ will connect you with what you need because everybody in this room is good at something but everybody in this room is bad at something I mean we can if, if you're good at math you're probably bad at English that's me when I was in school, man, they'd say, "What's do this math problem right here. And I would go, chuk, chuk, chuk. I could do it in my head. I could just go, chuk, chuk, chuk. yep, that's 39. And they were like, wow, that's pretty good. But when they told me to write out a sentence, Bobby went to the store. You know, I was, I was Ernest E. Bass when it came to, <laughs> when it came to English. <laughs> I thought they were going to hire Andy Griffith to come in and be my teacher. Because we're good at something, but we're bad at something. And here's what Christ does, is he connects you. He puts connections, resources in your life. And he makes you whole. 
See, at the fall of man, we had resources before the fall of man. Let me say that Adam and Eve, they had resources. Everything was at their fingertips. There was nothing lacking in their world. Everything was there. Everything was good. But then at the fall of man, what happened? The resources got removed. And now they need, now we need resources. Christ wants to resource you. He wants to bring things into your life. But what we have to do is we have to come, we have to cry out to the Lord. He brings them to an inhabited city. Then the verse 8 says this, <clears throat> let them give thanks to the Lord. Let them give thanks. So what do we do when he, when he blesses us, when he helps us? Because I, I, I know if we went through this room, I'm sure people could stand up right now and say, there was a day in my life when I was broke, I was empty. There was a spot in my life when I had nothing. Yes, I had. I lived in a home and I had a vehicle and I had a job. But on the inside, I was dried and empty. On the inside, I was broken. On the inside, I was hurting. I'm telling you, there was a day in my life when Jesus Christ stepped into my life, I had two loving, good parents. My mom and dad had jobs. I had a little car. I was doing all kinds of little things. I played sports. I was doing all kinds of great things. But there was a moment in time in my life when I had become empty because my love had been toward this world. And I had loved this world. But what I found out in my time of trouble that Christ came to me I found myself in him. And he surrounded me and he put his arms on me and he loved me and he picked me up and he cleaned me up. And he placed my feet on a solid rock. So let me just say this. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness because he did not have to come to us. He did not have to cover Kim in Honduras in that closet. Can I tell you that there were toys in that closet? But the good hand of God was covering this woman. The good hand of God was covering this man's rent. When this man lost his $600 or whatever it was, the, when, when Kim was in that closet, when, when the, the kids were at school, when they were coming home, it was the good hand of God. It was his loving kindness. So we do what verse 8 says. Let us give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. Why do I do that? Because now I understand who he is and what he does. I understand who he is and what he does. And his wonders to the sons of men. That's us. That's us, his wonders, the things that he does, those wonderful things that he does. Those times of protection, those times of just encouragement, those times when we are empty and broke and just exhausted. And somehow God shows up in the middle of our storm. Remember the story of the disciples in the boat? When they're out there in that boat and the storm has got them and they're in the middle of the sea. Let me remind you that these men that were in that boat were expert sailors. These weren't guys who, who were businessmen, lawyers and doctors. He knew nothing about a boat. But these men from three, five years old, they had grown up in a boat. They knew about fishing. They knew about boats. They knew how to handle a boat. But this storm had overcome them. This storm. And they said, Jesus, do you not care that we die? These were the sailors. Do you not care that we die? And this is what happened. 
just like in my life, Jesus stood up in that boat and he said to the wind and the waves, peace, be still. He told those waves and he told the, he told the wind, he said, I need you to stand over there. And I need the waves to sit down. Do you know one of two of the most powerful forces in this world is water and wind. It's two of the most powerful forces in this world. A tornado could come right down this street and it would knock this building to absolute foundation. It has that ability. Just a few months ago, Waverly, Middle Tennessee had a flood that came through there and they had 17 inches of water and 10 hours or something, whatever it was of rain. I don't remember what it was, but it flooded and they had several people to die. And the water was up to like 10 feet in some of the streets. And it absolutely knocked houses down and it just, it just washed everything away. Two of the most powerful things, who he is and what he does. Jesus stands up in the boat. He's in the boat that's doing this. The boat is doing this. The boat. It, we get that picture, Jesus stands up. And everything's nice and still and it's calm and everything's good. No. When he stood up in that, when that, when he stood up in that boat, do you know what that, that boat was doing? This. It's dropping off those waves. And these guys are holding on. Anybody ever been in a bass boat? You're doing 60, 70 mile an hour across the lake and you hit somebody's wake and that boat goes coo, 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 coo. My buddy who fishes all the time, he doesn't care. He just gives it a little gas and we go through the waves. I'm, I'm holding on to everything in the boat. There's nothing to hold on to in those bass boats. There's nothing to hold on to. It's scaring me to death. These guys are terrified. But let me remind you who he is and what he does. Jesus stands up in the boat. And he said, the forces of this world have to obey me. I am the creator of this earth. I have authority over the forces of this world. And he speaks to the wind and the waves and he tells them, obey me. I've come to tell somebody this morning, the forces that are pushing against you, the forces that are pressing down on you. I want to tell you addiction. Jesus has the authority to say, be still. Be quiet. Jesus has the authority to open doors for work and opportunities. Jesus has the authority to open doors in families. Now, do these things happen overnight? Is this, does it always happen like that? No, not necessarily. But I can tell you this, that as you pray for people, God moves their heart. And in a year's time, in six months' time, whatever it may be, God can get them to where they need to be because you are praying. See, he wants to be like verse 8 and verse 9. Verse 9 says this. That meant that we were getting close to finishing right there. <laughs> I didn't know if y'all knew that. I was just going to give everybody a little heads up. Verse 9 says this, For he has satisfied the thirsty soul. Remember what it said? They were hungry and thirsty. 
come to tell somebody this morning, he wants to satisfy your soul. He wants, it didn't say that, that he gave you thousands of dollars. It didn't say that he gave you mountains of possessions because the truth of it is most of, most of us have more possessions than we know what to do with. We got piles of stuff at our homes. But our, our, our souls are thirsty. For he satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. He has filled with what is good. I don't know if somebody's going to come and play music as we close this morning, but you can come if you would. I just feel like that if God puts a word in my heart and he brings me to this place this morning, I'm here to honor Paul and Kim Dyer, and I just, I believe wholeheartedly in what they're doing I believe in who they are and what they do but I believe more in who Christ is and what he does and I've come to tell somebody this morning that he has got this he has got this let him stand up in your boat will you run to him the disciples went to him and said master do you not care I don't know if that's the right way to do it but they basically went to him and said can you help us and he said, I care. He said he cared because he stood up and he calmed the winds and the waves. It was the forces that were coming against their life. It was the things that were pressing in on them. It was the things that were making life difficult for them. It was the things that were stealing their joy. You know, the Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Christ came that he would give us life more abundantly. I'm telling you, the enemy, in these last days that we're living, and if you don't believe we're in the end times, ooh-wee, man, this thing is, this thing is unraveling Somebody's put it into hyperdrive. But I know this. He wants to stand up in your boat and say, peace be still. Because this is who he is and this is what he does. He's here. He's the lover of your soul. He's the Savior of the world. Jesus is the lover of your soul. And he knows where you've been. He knows what you've been through. He knows. What does the enemy want to tell us? Jesus doesn't really love you anymore because of what you've been through. How you haven't done everything right. How everything's not lined up in your world. Well, let me tell you this. Nobody's world is lined up. Nobody's perfect. But I come to tell somebody who he is and what he does. He stands up in the middle of your life. He stands up in that boat and he says, peace be still. He spoke to the wind and the waves, the two things 
that was causing conflict in their lives. God, we worship your name. We worship your Father. We just come to you this morning and we worship your name. We declare who you are. We declare what you do. We believe that you are God. We believe, Father, we believe you're the creator of this earth. We believe there was a moment in time when you spoke this world into existence, that you hung the stars and the sun, the sun with, it, with its unbelievable heat. You spoke that into existence. God, if you could do that, if you could set the thousands of stars in their place and the, the, the vastness of this universe and the, how the planets orbit and, and how they are in perfect sync, God, if you could do all of that, Right now, I'm bringing my need, and I'm laying it at your feet. I'm laying it at your feet. Father, I come this morning, and even though my boat is taking on water, even though my boat cannot make it to shore, even though my boat has lost its direction, and the wind and the waves are forcing me to do things that I do not want to do. At this very moment, I stop right now and I say, Jesus, under your authority, I speak against the wind and the waves. I speak against. Would you do that? Would you just speak against those things in your life under the authority of Jesus Christ? Will you give him place? Will you, will you give him that place that he would stand up in your boat? because of who he is and what he does, you would just give him a moment to stand up in your boat and say to those things that are pushing against you, devil, I say you have no authority. Devil, I speak this this morning, that you have no authority, you have no place. And even though the things in our life have been rearranged and wrecked at times, Right now, I say wind and wave, be still. Be still. Because he's the lover of my soul. He's the savior of the world. He came to the cross on his own. He took my sins, took my shame, and he carried it on that cross. Christ is my savior. Stand up in my boat today. Would you, Christ? Would you, Jesus? Would you, Messiah? Would you help in my life? Oh, in the name of Jesus. Would you stand with us this morning? Oh, God, help us. God, help us. I don't know if somebody needs prayer this morning. We want to pray with you. If you're here, we want to pray with you. I'm not for sure where you're at and what you're going through. I don't know. I don't know the details. I absolutely know no details to anybody in this room other than Paul and Kim and Michael and Elvira. I, there may be somebody else in here that I'm, I, I know a few people from camp. Okay. But I know this. God didn't send me here just to tell a couple stories about Paul and Kim in Honduras. But he sent me here to share the word of God. And to say that somebody needs to hear this. The wind and the waves will obey him. 
wind and the waves will obey him. They obey him. I find it interesting that the entire sea at one instant every wave set down. And the wind, which is not just at that location, but it's over probably hundreds of miles, stopped. Oh, my God. Oh, I thank you, Jesus, for who you are. If you, if you need prayer this morning, man, we want to pray with you. Would you? If you need prayer, would you come this morning? We want to pray with you. You got something you Yes, my God. Father, we worship you. We worship you, Father. We worship you. Join the song they're already singing holy, holy, holy. Just to bow down before your throne See your face, I'll cry out Because you're holy, holy, holy are you, Lord Oh, Jesus, Jesus, King of kings Jesus I want us to pray for Paul and Kim. I'm not for sure who Anna and Jaden is in here. If there's any others. Um, we want to just, we would like to just pray over them. The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It, it, 
moves a lot of stuff out of the way. I don't know if you know or not, but the position of pastor in the United States is very similar to the waitress and waiter position. A lot of places they have signs up saying help wanted. We, 20 years ago in the Church of God, 30 years ago in the Church of God, we had a surplus. We had a large surplus of people, licensed ministers, ordained, whatever we want to call it. We had a surplus of pastors. We had people waiting for churches to come open. We're getting in the position now where small churches come open and they sit for four, five, six months because we don't have a pastor to go in that church. And one of the reasons is, is because this job has become more pressure, more difficult, and more struggles. As society gets imbalanced, as society gets struggles and all the problems we see in society, those problems fall on the shoulder of the pastor and the pastor's wife and on the staff and the leadership of this church. It's not just Paul and Kim that feel that pressure, but it's the staff and the leadership. If you're, pa if you're teaching a class, if you're on some kind of board, or if you're doing something in this church, you feel this pressure too. You feel the pressure of this. Kim, would you come up here? We're going to just, if you want to come this morning, if somebody wants to come and just lay your hands on this man and woman, we are going to just believe the good hand of God because we know that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We know that. We know that. What a great God we serve. Paul, I want to tell you, and me and Paul talked a little bit last night and Paul told me, he said, man, everything's great at the church. We're doing great. This is, we're just, I mean, things are just coming together. We got lights in here and we've done this, we've done that. We're going here, we're going there. We're doing all this stuff. And man, just so much, so many good things are happening. And the work of God is, it's visible and we can see it and it's happening. But I know this, the enemy is saying, Paul and Kim, I will never stop coming against you guys. And I'm, the enemy is saying, I, I, I want to I stop you. You guys made a great impact in Honduras and Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee, but the enemy says, I want to stop you. So here's what I want us to do as a church. We want to stand with this man and woman in the spirit and just say, Father, like Job, would you put a hedge the devil came and said, I can't touch the man right now, Father. Put a hedge around this man, around this woman. Father, I come right now and I pray your Holy Spirit encircle this man. Holy Spirit encircle this man. Encircle this woman. Encircle their children. I pray against, I pray against the lies of the enemy on their children. God, that the devil would say, this is going to be good. This is going to be fun. Just do here. Go here. Do this. Do that. This is going to be good. I pray right now, let nothing that is against you, against your calling, God, be in the lives of these children. I pray right now that you would give Paul strength in his physical body, strength in his mind, Strengthen his spirit. 
strengthen his emotions. I pray over Kim, God, that you would strengthen her in her body, in her mind, in her spirit, in her emotions. God, I pray over this marriage. I pray, God, I thank you for this wonderful marriage. But God, I pray that you would bind this marriage together with cords of love. Let it be stronger than it's ever been. God, I pray over the leadership. I pray over the staff of this church. I pray over the council, the elders, the deacons, whatever their name is. God, I pray over them right now. God, let them see you. Let them feel your presence. Holy Spirit, let an outpouring roll through this church, God. I pray over teachers and and leaders of different departments. God, let your spirit be upon them. Oh, God, let your love, let your strength, God, be upon them. Oh, God, I pray. Staff, youth ministry, children's ministry, women's, men's ministry, worship, whatever it may be, food ministry, benevolence, whatever it may be right now, God, we pray your strength and your your touch, your love. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Oh, Holy Spirit, settle on this man, this woman, this church. Oh, God, do a great work in this city. Oh, God, we know your return is near. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can we we pray for... Brother Blodgett, he's in the hospital and needs a touch from the Lord. He needs a miracle. Would you just believe with me right now? Father, I just pray for Sandy. I pray for Jim. Lord, I I know that this cancer has come back with a vengeance. And Lord, we put him in your hands because we know that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. God, I pray that you will touch his body today. God, bring healing and renewing in him. God, bring clarity to his mind. Bring strength to his body. God, I pray for Sandy that you'll be with her, Lord. God, that you'll help her to keep her eyes on you, knowing that you are the only way, truth, and life. God, bless and touch this family. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody ready to eat? I got run. I mean, you know, I can take it to the house. Father bless this food Thank you God for all who have Worked and labored to prepare Such an awesome meal Thank you God for this wonderful congregation Who loves you Thank you Lord for allowing us to Truly be spirit led Authentic, missional uh, Life giving and collaborative God Thank you for allowing us to work together For your kingdom purpose Bless this time, bless this food In Jesus name, amen Amen